Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Take TV podcast. It is the end of round two, the most pivotal time of the season to make some trades as, as the prices will now move for round three, as we know. So plenty of trades, a few boosts that uh, I'm sure a lot of us will be hitting this week if we well haven't already. Um, but we'll go over our ranks and trades as, as we usually do. Um, a lot of mid-prices to talk about. You know, some early were saying maybe it's not the year of the mid-pricer, but... Hey, there's a few around to, to consider. Some concerning primos that you may want to jump off if, if you own. We'll give you our thoughts on them. Uh, some rookies as well, and then our captains at the end. But welcome to the boys, George. Have you got your, your sleep back, mate, after your last no, 48 hours? I have not. <laughs> I, yeah, I almost had like a mini nap in the car today at work. I just, I'm stuffed still. I haven't <laughs> still in sleep deficit. So another early one tonight, and hopefully good to go. Um, but yeah, quite the experience being sleeping in an air or trying to sleep at an airport food court for 10 hours, but um, could be worse. So it's not too bad. JD, you're not home yet, mate. Still down at the, uh, no. the mothers, all right? Yep, yep. Still Melbourne. Um, and I'm just five minutes away from your place, but uh, still haven't got an invite over for podcast night. So I don't know. We'll just uh, leave it up to the viewers as to why uh, Eno is not. Accommodating to uh, visitors to guests, but I mean, I mean, if you've been listening to a while, you've probably picked up why. But anyway, let's let's get going. We better not dwell on this. Sorry, mate. Could couldn't come across to watch the mighty bombers on the weekend. I'm sure you were happy though. Uh, oh, mum, mum goes. Oh, your mate lives just around the corner. That's good. Why don't you go down to the pavilion and grab a beer together? And I'm like, oh no, nah, he's he's. I don't think he's very keen to actually like catch up. And she's like, why doesn't he drink? I'm like, oh no, he drinks. That's not the problem. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, no, not, not on a Tuesday night. Um, anyway, we'll get to, we got a lot to get to. So, uh, how'd you go last week, George? What uh, trades you make? What'd you score? It only took one week to stuff up a trade, but the other one was okay. So, uh, we scored 2,199. I think that's like par ish, something like that. I'm not, could, things could have been better. Obviously, held. Tanner Bruin to get more data every, uh, elsewhere, but yeah, copped a big hit there. Uh, rank, I think, from 45k to 31k, so I guess right trend. Uh, should be rank one in two weeks based on this. Um, but uh, trades were Josh Kelly out to Nicholas Dacos, so yeah, didn't want to go MCG and not watch that little piglet Nick Dacos, so I was happy with that. And then I did pointless trades the most pointless trade you can do. I did Jones. It's kind of a restructure as well, so I didn't have to field Wilmot, but um, Liam Jones to Finn Callahan uh, didn't Ouch. really accomplish anything. In my defense, uh, I didn't really foresee a injury to Finn Callahan. We were at the pub watching it, and yeah, Finn's like going like this with his shoulder. And I'm like, oh, oh, shit, this is going to be fun the next few hours, but... Uh, he's straight out for me because I need to get like your set of fields and Zebul. So bad trade, but on to the next one. How'd you go, JD? I scored twenty two oh two, which moved me up around four thousand spots to roughly thirteen and a half thousand overall, fourteen thousand around that range. So once again, trend is your friend moving up, which is good. Um, my first couple of trades are absolute killer. So Jones up to Dacos and Brun down to Chandler. So tick tick on both of those. And the final trade I was weighing up. Um, to kind of get my team in a good position after this week's trade was uh, Josh Kelly to either Setterfield or Cogs. Uh, and I don't know, this is like my um, anti-optimism for Essendon. Uh, sorry, I ended up going Cogs, uh, which was the wrong 
decision because uh, it means that I mean, we'll, we'll go through this, this week's trades in a bit, but it means we're going to end up with Cogs rather than LDU in the side, and I'd probably rather have LDU at the moment. But uh, And it cost me 40 points on the week as well. I mean, it's not the end of the world. I can still get all the players that I basically need to have, but I'd rather have uh, LDU over Cogs. So anyway, um, not not too bad. I mean, most of the other trades were uh, very good, and getting Dacos and Chandler already means that I could you know, kind of get all the other must-have uh, mid-prices this week. Eno, what about yourself? Uh, how did you go? Yep, that's good trades. Like, getting those two out the way, I did one of them at least. So I just did, like, round one, my team was looking fine. So I just got Chandler in, you know, trying to get a trade ahead to, you know, envisage using three this week anyway. So that was good, but that's the only trade I did. So obviously, didn't know Nick Dacos when me and George were watching him do you know Usain Bolt sprints to the goal square to get a kick in and um so that was enjoyable but now nah, he'll be straight in this week but you know you're right you getting him in that week and the week before obviously Josh Kelly helps because you had a guy that you knew sort of had to go whereas I was holding on to McRae hoping that hey maybe it, he'll be all right but that obviously looks to um, be out the window now so right I, was, I was holding on to him too <laughs> uh, true but um yeah so obviously that paid off but anyway um what can you do he'll he'll have to come in and uh, that'll be it. But yeah, score I think was 2,115 and I went backwards because it was 7K after round one or something. So down to 18,000. But yeah, it's a couple hundred spots between a lot of ranks. So we don't care too much about that right now. Uh, the bigger problem is all the players that we need to talk about and who we're getting in, who you're prioritizing. And I guess we'll start with the mid prices, George. And uh, one man that I didn't really want to be talking about at this juncture, and that's Jack Zebel. But we have to, and, and he's looking like maybe not quite the 2021 complete pig roller it is because North are looking a better side than that, but he's he's playing a similar role in the sense that he's taking kick-ins. He's, you know, not the, the main tall defender. Like, they brought in Aiden Call this week. Obviously, Ben Mackay's out, but um, what's 120 back-to-back? Um, I think, is he a must-have is the question I want to ask you, George, but 350K, do we just have to get him in? Yes. So I know he's 30, I didn't watch this game, but I watched the first game and it was pretty fair. I think me and JD, like first thing Monday or Sunday night or Monday it opened, we put him straight in our fantasy team and when went it went very well. We could just see the amount of chip mark and he was actually playing well as well. Preseason game was probably a bit disinterested, but um, we got a better read on it now. So yeah, he's straight in. I think the thing is, well, he's going to get DPP, which is nice, but if Zebu is a keeper for 350K and you don't have him, significantly behind the rest of the comp. So is your keeper? It's probably more likely than not the way things are going. Bolt kick-ins as well. Um, now, there's a threat of Aaron Hall. Is he going to come in? Don't see why that he would. I mean, it's a chance, but you would think not. I think the defense is pretty settled. It's working. They're winning so far. So why would they bring him in? Um, they've got a few kids there. They can run through down back as well, like you go to who they can give game time to. So, um, yeah, straight in for me. Must have. Uh, so in NO, it, there's probably like four or five players, you know, maybe in the top four or five uh, players that, like NO would just never bring into his team under any circumstance. And Zeeble is top of the list, if not like top two or three. I don't know, maybe you've got someone you hate more, but I have never seen someone refuse. Like, I'm not getting Zeeble, I'm not getting Zeeble, I'm not getting Zeeble. Well, so to open... Thank God. So to open... Open this segment with, is Zeeble a must-have? Knowing full well the answer is yes shows you that even the biggest haters have been convinced that, damn, maybe I have to get on Zeeble this year. And 
I mean, I think a big part of, I was thinking about this during the week, a big part of um, round two is kind of admitting the stuff that you got wrong, swallowing your pride and just jumping on the pick. And look, it can backfire and that hurts even worse. Um, but Zeeble is just one of those ones where it looks like we got it wrong. And partly that's because we just had incomplete information at the start of the year. So which, where were Shees going to play? Is Hall coming into the side or not? What are they doing with Goda? And two rounds in, we have a pretty clear picture of what seems to be playing with uh, like with the team. So Sheasel's down back, but that's working well with um, Zeeble. Hall's in the twos. Now he got 37 touches on the weekend. So if they don't bring him in on the back of that performance, I'd say that they're not planning to bring him back in at all unless there's injury. And then, of course, Goda's playing up the ground and Zeeble's still got that pretty disgusting role um, across the back line and he's monopolizing kick out. So he's taken, I think 12 of about 20, 21 kick-ins over the first two games. So he is the one that's getting most of them. And then Sheasel's got about five. Um, so yeah, I, like it, it's the role is perfect. And we'll go through the other mid prices, which are also great options, but George touched on it of those um, mid prices, the only one that could be a keeper is Zeeble. And I still think it's less likely than likely he actually ends up being in our team for the full year just because of his age. And, you know, maybe they do move Sheasel forward at some point, whatever it is. But he is the only one that does, I think, really have a chance of being a keeper. And you just don't want to miss out on that. Plus, we're going to get the DPP, and him and Sheasel are going to be able to swing between your forwards and your defenses. And that's going to be really handy when it comes to flexibility. So, uh, yeah, I think it's just one that you jump on. And it's also, I think, safety in numbers. Like, he's everyone's priority at this point. So even if something goes wrong, it's there's not really that much downside from, from, this, uh, from this point on, I'd say, anyway. But there is a really large downside. If you don't jump on, he goes absolutely crazy. Yeah. Once we talk about the others, I'll, I'll ask a question that I have. But, yeah, it's a bit of da- Like, obviously, it was easier two years ago to start him at whatever he was, 220 or what have you, but it was funny then, even people were worried about his age then, he was 30, now he's 32, and he's a must-have at 350k, so look, yeah, I agree, just got to bite the bullet, um, it's not that I don't believe in the, the role and all that, that's that's evident, it's just owning Jack Siebel at this age and this point of his career doesn't seem right, just in theory, but it, um, it, it definitely looks that way, so... Um, I think the big thing with Hall is I don't think he'll come in. The only way he would is if they want to throw Sheasel back forward or, you know, get him into the midfield or something, and then Hall can replace that spot down back. But I just don't see why they'd do that when he's absolutely dominating back there. Two rounds in. That might be, you know, 10 rounds in or 15 or something maybe, you know, if they don't want to play Sheasel a full year down back, knowing what he does have um, up the field. But, yeah. Looks that way. All right, let's get to him. Will Setterfield. He looks like, and I'll actually get this on the screen because I might as well. But um, he's more traded in than Zebra right now. It's actually double, which is kind of crazy. But as much as the must have we think Zebra is, uh, the public seem to believe that Setterfield is is twofold there. So um, if you started one, then it's nice you can just get the other. But are you getting both in this week, this week, George, or? or I guess I'll ask you, Setterfield, what, what do you see? You were at the game, right? So you two were. What, what did you see? Yeah. He was in everything. Kicked a nice goal as well. He does. He's got an inside and an outside game. Mm-hmm. And we're spreading from stoppages as well. We just had the complete game. We've seen this for a few weeks now. He's coming straight in for me. 90% CBAs. Come on. 90%. I don't think anyone yeah, saw that nuts. coming. Um, it's 82% over the first two weeks, uh, which 
I mean, they're probably his two highest CBA games ever, and it was higher than anything in the preseason as well. Uh, and he's like his scoring is always tracked well with high CBAs. So it's 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 wild. Um, George, what 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 can you see Setterfield averaging? And like, I think the point you made about um, both having the inside and outside game is really interesting because with Carlton, right, they ended up moving that into a wing and really made him play that outside game and play like basically full wing role. And I actually think that's part of what's saved him and made him such a good option in Essendon's midfield. It's not just that he's that big body, but he spreads well throughout the ground and is getting a lot of easy uh, chip marks as the tall target throughout the midfield. Uh, which is what we saw, I think, a lot of the game as well. Like, basically, every time the stoppage, uh, you know, they're, they're at a stoppage, he'd spread and there'd be no one anywhere near him. Now, it's partly because I think the the people that he was defending wanted to run their own way anyway. But, yeah, just no one was really going with him. So, um, what, what, what do you see him averaging from here, boys? I'm not sure. I'm not too worried about it. I just want to get him in. He's got a massive, massively low break even. He's got the prime role in the midfield. Look, if I had to guess, 105, maybe a bit more. And and his break-even is negative 49. Now, that is a number that you hear for rookies. So it, it the cash gen is going to go pretty wild over the next couple of weeks, especially if he puts in a couple more tons. <sighs> it's hard, right? Because I, I don't have Dacos as well. And how much many of these are must-haves? And how, how do you get them all in in one week? This is the dilemma. So this is why, like, I think, JD got Chandler and Dacos last week. I just got one of them, but, and you got you Chandler. Got and so it's like Chandler. setting up yeah. last week was very important for this week. And I, I'm probably going to miss Chandler, but I'll probably get everyone else, which is very bad because you need everyone. And it's kind of who do you miss out on? Um, is Will Setterfield a must-have? To me, I think he is. I, I don't think he'll be a keeper, but I don't think it's out of the realms. I mean, we probably should wait to the end for our own teams. Let's talk about it specifically. But like, if Will Setterfield's a must-have, I almost think I should get him over Zebul. He's going to make more cash. And I'm not saying not get Zebul ever. I'm just saying this week. Like, Zebul, if you think he's going to be a keeper, yeah, not getting him at 350 would hurt. But, you know, 450, something like that, a little bit down the track. Um, I don't think he's going to go 120 every week. Like, there'll be down games for Zebul, but... Probably shouldn't talk about that now because that's just my team specifics. But like, how much? Mm. They're both so, the same must have. So how do you have split them? Oh, so like one thing to think about for Setterfield, he's got a lower break even than Ashcroft and McKenzie. So these are two of our premier mid rookies, and he's got a lower break even than both. So I think if you're planning and you could bring um, all of Dacos, Setterfield, and Zebel over the next two weeks you probably are trading off cash for points on field. And maybe that is where you go day cost last because I think his break-even is low single digits, maybe like seven or eight. Seven, yeah. Where, yeah, where Setterfield's negative 49 and Zeeble's negative 23, I want to say. So, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those ones where I reckon um, Setterfield probably just has to come in if you're looking at getting all of them because the break-even's the lowest. Yeah. I think Zeeble's more chance of keeper and therefore, because in theory, if Setterfield's not a keeper, you just need him for cash and you can get that sort of money from a rookie. It's just you get nice, you know, more points on the field at the moment. I'd probably just prioritise Zeeble, although I think Setterfield probably should average more. But again, Zeeble 
is not really going to be a trade out unless injury, it looks like. All right, we should probably move on because we've got a lot to talk about. We might bring it up towards the end if we if we want to talk specifics, maybe with our team or situations. But James Warple, so the one that we sort of all opted for and, and spoke about a lot, has been good. Um, you know, I think a low turn or is it two not like a ninety nine on the weekend? He's been good, but obviously doesn't feature anywhere on this list. And um, the other options have, have sort of leapfrogged him. So a big question is if. You have a couple like Dacos and say, yeah, what set of field already? Do you get a Zeebel and then do you get a Warpool as well and sort of make your team, um, you know, a bit of a point of difference having all of those options? Um, I know a few people in that boat um, in the Discord maybe, but yeah, I mean, what do you think Warpool alone, George? He's, he's been good. It's just, it's annoying he doesn't go bigger with, with what he, you know, he sort of gets high 20s, kicked the goal on the weekend and he still doesn't turn up. So. I think Warpool's must-have too. I think they're all must-haves. If you're looking at the optimal team right now, Warpool is in it, Setterfield is in it, Zeebel's in it, all these guys, Hopper's in it, not Tanner, but, you know, um, I think uh, must-have is probably a sh- too strong of a word. But, like again, the, the best team right now would have Warpool in it. So if you can get him, if you can't get him, well, he's definitely not going to be a keeper. Um, he's just, you know, he's a bit cheaper than these guys as, as well, so it helps. So if you can get him in, definitely get him in. But if he's he's probably like um, just a rug below in terms of, you know, the priority of Zeeble, Setterfield, Warple. Uh, Warple would be third, even probably behind Hopper as well. If, I know a few people went without him. So I look at Warple's numbers and they're pretty good. The contested numbers are really high. I guess the CBA's dropped this week, which wasn't great. Um when Hawthorne are losing, they're just going to keep changing things up. Probably they gave a bit more time today. They dropped Ken McKenzie CBAs, which made no sense whatsoever. Um, so look, maybe Warple floats between that 50 and 70 mark. Um, but you know, his numbers, his contested ball numbers are through the roof. Like again, like 15 plus again this week in a hammering. Now Hawthorne's fixture is quite good. Uh, I'll just bring it up, but I know they have the Crows, GWS, uh, Geelong, who are, pretty weak midfield and they've got north one more week, obviously and no, and north and no simkin and maybe ldu gets tagged we're not sure yet but um regardless you know north's overall midfield outside of ldu isn't exactly going gangbusters so far so it's an easier matchup it's a nice run i think after that he is the dog so maybe that's when you want to cash him in for okay i don't know whoever you want like a merit or something Eddie's shaking his head the dogs are easy at the moment <laughs> yeah dogs yeah, are easy to be- score on this yeah, is um, true, a trend yeah. for fantasy they were looking at it. So I think it's like the last six games or something of last year, they started softening up. And then that trend's only accelerated through the first two weeks this year. So if the dogs are still looking like a bit of a basket case come that time, he's probably still a smash uh, matchup. And I think you're spot on. Like Warple is still a must-have for me if you've got the other guys that we're going to talk about. Uh, doing a 98, a high 90s average for 300K is a no-brainer. The only concern is the CBAs that you've pointed out, but with Nash out a week anyway, you'd imagine some of those CBAs come back. And to your point, even without the high CBA numbers, still put up double-digit contested numbers, which is going to be the key to his scoring anyway. And just visually, both games, he's passed the eye test. He actually looks so much better than what we saw out of the last two years. Uh, And I don't know how much of that is just Titch not being there and he's got the rollback versus his shoulder coming good. Um, but it is like watching a completely different player in the sense that the skill level feels to me like it's 30 to 50% better than what we saw in the last two years. 
just quickly, it might depend on people's team because if some people were going a very light defense, I know that was kind of the most of our plans probably at some point, um, but you might not be able to fit him in. So I think it's fine to fade him. Maybe you have like a like a Jones back there or whoever you got holding it down back. So if you can't fit him in, I wouldn't like force him in. If you're really like down backs and you can't fit him in the midfield, you might have four mid primos. I think we all have three, I think, with green, then onto the mid prices. So in that case, like I wouldn't ruin your team to get him structurally, but uh, if you have the three primo mid structure, I think it's optimal to get him in, but lower priority than Zebel and Setterfield. All right, I'll get that back off uh, screen for now. Um, all right, so they're—I mean—they're the main three, probably that uh, may not be in everyone's team. Um, so should we order them right now, or should we save that for the end? Because I think Hopper, we talk about next, is obviously under an injury cloud himself. Not someone you'd sort of trade out or trade in. Probably sort of that hold if you got. Maybe, I guess if he plays, get him in. If you don't have him. Um, but at this stage, I don't envisage, I don't see him playing. But yeah, I know Jay Z's different position. What would you feel? What would you What would your order? Is it in the order we talked about? Jay Z, Setterfield, Warple. Just quickly on Hopper before we rank. Um, I know some people are going to ask if Hopper misses this week, should I trade him to one of the other three that you've talked about? Just quickly, what do you guys think about that as an option? <sighs> it depends. One how... week hold. So yeah. one week hold. Two weeks. I would still Two weeks, I'd consider it. Three gone. Yeah. Problem is, we may not get the we may not get a time frame. We may just get a. Hopefully, we do. Hopefully, we do. Okay. If um, it is two weeks, what are you guys doing? I might do I think that it, to set a field. Yeah. I think it comes down to your bench cover because I'm pretty sure I can float um, like Chandler and Holland who are on my bench for two weeks, and I'm pretty confident I'll get an okay enough score out of them that I don't need to trade. But if you're the type of team that doesn't have Hollands, um, or you, you, you know, like, uh, and you're running like Chester still on your bench Baker. instead, like, yeah, yeah, if Baker's your best backup option, it's like Baker and Philippou, for example. And um, then you probably you know what he scores though, which is good. We will get to find yeah, out you, before we make a call. You, exactly, but you, you might just risk um, like leaking too many points. In which case, like, I can see why people would trade it to one of the other mid prices if that's your only option. Like, you know, if you don't have anyone else. But there are some teams that are running like McKenzie at M9 after trades this week. And so if McKenzie's your hopper cover, like, that's fine. Just hold a hopper. It's no, yeah, I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah, but if I don't get Setterfield uh, without trading him, would yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if it was your only way of getting Setterfield or Zebul, I would probably trade hopper if he's going to miss this week. Yeah. Because, yeah, I'll get that. Everyone's different. That's the thing. Everyone's kind of in a different boat. Um, depending on what you did last week, especially like you guys, if you started Kelly or Stewart and got Nick Dacos early, it really helps. Um, yeah, anyway, we'll find out with Hopper anyway. Um, I've actually got a little clip here, George. I know you didn't know if I was going to play it or not. Don't put it up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have to. Jacob Hopper. Jacob Hopper is a fraud. Oh, my goodness. He needs to go within the next two weeks. Look, he plays Adelaide this week, so you can probably hold, but... I test is a abysmal failure. One twenty on his team, and he's left the room. So anyway, look, it's unfortunate he's hurt, but um, his knees worry me, JD. I think they might be pretty cautious, especially round three. I don't, I don't think he plays. 
which is a real shame because he looked the goods. <laughs> oh, we can't hear you, JD. Sorry, reading the tea leaves on um, the reports I put out this week, I think it's like 90% chance that he misses. I'd be very surprised if he plays. But the fact that they're even considering playing him this week means I think it's very likely that he plays next week. So if I had yeah. to put money on it, I would say it's a one-weeker. Yeah. Sorry, George. Um, especially against Can I just team. say, <laughs> I think it was fair to question because of the eye test failure in preseason. Yeah. And there were concerns, and I just... The obvious move in hindsight, obviously, you give him another week because he's far, he's a very capable player. So if you trade a capable player and it backfires and everyone else has him, like that's a season losing move sort of thing. So at least yeah. I recognize that, learned that from last year for sure. So it was in the back of my mind. So fortunately, didn't act on it, but it's not like we overreact. I had concerns that if he could do it early enough for us to, you know, keep him right. I didn't know if he would come. Round two, or if it would take him maybe five or six weeks. But anyway, as we said, he may be out this week. Hopefully, it's just one. And then I think, yeah, definite hold. Right, we've got to move on because there's lots to talk about. Orn Francis, uh, George, uh, someone commented on my video. I don't know about you, JD, saying, when is George releasing his video? Because he told me to get Jason Orn Francis. So. No, I did not. Yeah. I did buy, hold, sell. I'm and kidding. I said, wait. I had to troll you there. But someone did comment <laughs> that, um, like, <laughs> no one controls your team. He looked the goods round one. I said myself I wasn't too confident, especially after one week, to bring him off uh, the back of that, especially how Brisbane played and how abysmal they were. And um, Look, it's still the role's still okay. I think he dropped a little bit in CBAs this week. Like They rotated butters through there a bit more, drew a little bit more, and they sort of just evened out a bit. And with Rosie off the ground for a while, it's a bit concerning. You would have thought Horn Francis would have held. Um yeah, I mean, you've got it now, right, boys? You just hold and um, hope, or do you make a switch? Oh, no, I'm, I'd, I'd bail. I like, I didn't want, I didn't, I didn't, wasn't convinced last week, and I said hold. So if anyone listens to me and bought, well, they did that at their own peril. I kind of feel sorry for you because you're probably forced into it, felt forced into it. But uh, I mean, I said Rao vibes, and to be honest, that's disrespectful to Rao because if you watched that game on the weekend. Rao tried his bloody guts out, running up and down, trying to carry that team across the line. Body on the line, and this is a man that's had more injury concerns than most. And then you flip over to that Port game, and you see Juan Francis jogging like an absolute muppet after some of these guys. Um, and look, that's unfair on Juan Francis. He's still a young player that has stuff to learn, and I'm sure you can find poor efforts of a lot of players if you really looked and clipped it together. Um, but But... Yeah, I like I'd jump off him to be honest. Like if you haven't got set a field or Zebel and that's how you get it, I'd I'd be gone quickly. And he could score well next week. What if they got a good matchup? Uh Crom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could totally score well in the Crom, especially given he was a port boy growing up, right? So there's probably something in that for him. But you're you're picking for the rest of the season and I just can't see Horn Francis uh being a keeper. And I can't see him outscoring Zebel, and I can't out- see him outscoring Setterfield at the moment either. So, yeah, I'd be trading. Yeah. Well, we were at the game, you know, and I think there was two people around us who had Fawn Francis, and that was, it was pretty torturous for him. Um, felt for him a bit, but you could see, at least when, you, when you're at the game, you can see how they get from contest to contest. He had hands on hips like half the game. He was like, you know, last one to the contest. Um, you know, when there's a stoppage and people got to run to the contest, Horn Francis was like last every time. So he's a second year player. He's not fit enough yet. 
I mean, he, he also had he also had off uh, like a preseason surgery right on his calves, which were restricting running load from last year. And this was like part of what we talked about last week, which was even if he's good for the first few weeks, I'm pretty sure he's not running out the season because of preseason because of the um, like surgery and stuff. And I think we're going to see that pretty quickly. So his his break even is 17. Plays the Crows this week. If you have a bit of money in the bank, you can move him to set a fiddle Zeeble next week. It might cost you an extra 20, 30K. Um, but if you like, if you need to get other guys in and you need to delay set a fiddle Zeeble, uh, you can do that this week because I think he, he's got a nice matchup and he's break even. He's got that 130 in his system still. So it'll cost you a little bit extra, but it won't. I don't think it'll kill you. And it wouldn't surprise me if Horn Francis goes close to set a fiddle Zeeble this week. Um, but long term, he's not a solution. He's not a keeper, and you need Setterfield and Zebel over him. So, if you've got other priorities, you can wait a week and a bit of money in the bank. If not, I would make the move this week. Yeah, I think he had something like six frees against as well. So, that certainly didn't he, help. He's that's that's kind of him though. He's going to have games like that. We saw it in the preseason. He overcommits his tackles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So right, that, got- that's going to happen. We don't even pass the mid prices. So Tanner Bruin, I mean, he's your way to any of these guys. <laughs> so we don't just really trade. There's nothing to discuss. Yeah, just trade. Uh, the one we landed on that uh, probably blew up the most. So uh, DC's here as a mid pricer who I guess he uh, he kind of falls in that category a little bit, but um, the landscape's really changed with him. So uh, preseason, like he obviously did the hammy pretty not late, but what a month out was look. You know, looking to be splitting the ruck pretty evenly, um, getting managed, and then bang, comes out first two games at seventy thirty. Um, he's had, you know, really big game on the weekend after a solid one in round in round one. Um, I see a lot of people thinking of going down, especially from Darcy, who we'll get to uh, a little bit later. Um, the landscape, boys, like it has changed, right? Gorn's gone. He's not going to get forward status, obviously, in at least till the second uh, mark or maybe a third, but I don't think he was going to anyway. And obviously Grundy won't now as well, playing full ruck. Is DC, I think the big question is, going to be a top six to eight forward if you bring him in for, say, a Darcy this week, keep him in the ruck line and, um, you know, maybe plan to, to have him as your F6 uh, for the rest of the year. Are you confident enough to do that in round round two, round three? I'm bringing him in, but... It, I- it solves like three issues for me. It gets rid of Darcy, gets me Setterfield, gets me Zebel. So it suits my team. Um, is he a top eight forward? Um, if he gets 70% ruck time, I think so. If he goes down to 50% again, he's probably going to average 90 again. The way he played, I think he, they're going to use him more on the ruck. That's what they've done the first two weeks. It's working. Collingwood are better this year. He's got a better midfield to hit too. Dugowie looks better. They got Tom Mitchell in there. I think it's a fine play because he he he's shown scoring with majority ruck time. It might not be every week, but we've seen his floor in theory should be 90-odd. Now, the fact that he had an interrupted preseason, not so much the, the preseason load that he missed out on, but more soft tissue recurrence, it does stress me out a lot, and I hate it. But he's going to make money now, and it. I feel like for, for me personally, it it solves three issues for me. So I'm going to go with it. It also 
open up Max Gorn to trade in when he drops. He's got that zero in the system in maybe like six, seven weeks. Do you even want Max Gorn? Do you want English or Wits? Uh, possibly. That's something we can look at. Um, but at least, you know, you get right cover as well later on and he'll make money and he's underpriced. So he's in. He's certainly not a must-have. He's more of a convenient trade for me. But yeah, in theory, if he's getting, as I said, he should be getting 90 as his floor with bad ruck time. With good ruck time, it should be like 100 to 105. What do you think, JD? Uh, yeah, I was definitely looking at it as one of my potential trade paths this week. So I don't hate him as an option, um, but he is an expensive stepping stone for mine. I don't really see him as a top six option. But if he ended up as your like F7 and he could swing in with your rucks, that's honestly not a bad position to be in. I don't think if, if that ended up being the case. The one thing I worry about him is whether we do have any regression coming. Uh, like if you just think about it, take take a step back. Pies had no one score over 100 Supercoach last year, like as an average. And in the first two games, they've had eight players and then nine players go over 100 points. So I just wonder whether like this level of scoring is sustainable. Uh, maybe it is because they're, they're winning so much more contested possession than they did last year. And they're obviously a better side again than they were last year. We are worried about them regressing with the close games kind of thing. But they've just improved so much again as a side with their system that I don't think that really matters. Like They're just going to outperform that. Um, so, yeah, like Darcy Cameron's role is better than what we thought as well when he's actually on the ground. It's like 90% ruck this week. He had 16 contested possessions, which I think was a team high. So I like, I really don't know what to read. I, I think the main reason people are looking at him, right, is if you had Darcy and you want to jump off, then he's someone that frees up, yeah, frees up 100K, which could then help you get a set of field or a Z-ball. And if that's why you're doing it, I think it's fine. But if the money wasn't that important and you were deciding be- between like an English uh, or a Wits or a Cameron, I'd probably still have the premiums ahead of Cameron. Uh, but oh, like, I'm not totally sure. I, but I think that's where I stand at the moment. Yeah. I mean, he's, well, he's, he's still... So go on, Anna. I would say he's very good in there. Like, I think it has to stay this way, right? Like, only last year I, I saw... What he could do, I mean, looking at the stats, like he had four hitouts to advantage from 29, same as Cox, who had four to advantage from nine hitouts. Like that's part's not his game, but it's the contested possessions, it's tackling as well. He's quite a good tackler for Ruck when he gets in there. So it has to stay this way, I think. Um, I mean, so- I, w- I will say that it's like a good call out. So um, Cox's hitout to advantage is the highest of any Ruck in, in the league at the moment that qualifies for the start. So it's not like Cox has been bad. People focus on how good Cameron has been, but I don't think Cox has been bad. So if they if they did adjust that at some point, like I wouldn't surprise me that much despite how good Cameron's been. And then I think it's also worth pointing out that Stanley and Lysette as the first two Rucks, neither were particularly impressive in their Ruck roles. Uh, he does have a somewhat harder fixture coming up, I believe. Uh, I wish I had the... Um, Let's see how he goes. It's, yeah, Nank, who's been good. Then it's um, Big O, I want to say, after that. Marshall, Draper, who was restrictive, Rob. Um, so, like, that's a harder kind of uh, mix of rough, of rough matchups. Yeah, there are some actual rough, rucks in there that might put a body on him, but... Uh, yeah, I, like I still think it's a good pick. I, it's it's one of the ones where it's like I'm kind of, in a way I'm kind of glad that I don't have to pick him because I still have some uncertainty. But I think he's going to be a good selection. 
finish it off, George. Yeah. Um, no, I think he's. In. Yeah, I'm not like a hundred percent certain, um, but I think uh, it's a JD's point before about you know Collingwood are scoring all these hundred plus averaging players where they had like none last year. I'm not too worried about that because DC did over a hundred with majority ruck time. I cleared it quite easily, like one ten plus. And then Nick Dacos as well. I think he went on a run of like 112 last year. And then in the back end, um, he copped a few tags and he had the, the like the foot issue. So if you go rid of the tags and like the foot issue, he probably did 100 last year anyway. Yeah. Um, so I'm not too concerned about that. They're just SharePoint. They're a real like well-rounded team, right? They don't have no real standouts at hog points or that sort of thing. So I'm they, interested they're to disgustingly the good. As a team, yeah, I know, and it hates it. Uh, me and you don't sit well with that. Uh, yeah, I mean, as 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 fellow Big Four Melbourne teams, it's uh, you've been conditioned, you've been brought up to dislike Collingwood, but you can't help but enjoy the side because I mean, watching the Daycross boys is amazing. The brand of football is great. Fly McRae is really easy to love. Like it's disgusting how good they are and how likable they are as a side as well. Yeah, I'm I'm like hate enjoying them every time I watch. Yeah, yeah, me too, mate. This week we'll see what happens. All right, we've still got. Oh, yeah, you, you've got a tough matchup. <laughs> we've got them on Anzac Day, and it's like, yeah, anyway. I, I think they're like, in terms of AFL teams, they are the must watch team every week. Like, yeah. if you just locked in one side to watch it wasn't your own, you'd pick pies every week at the moment. Oh, it was ridiculous, George, on the weekend, like what they were doing to Port. Like, <laughs> made them look absolutely yeah. silly at times, like, embarrassed them, really. Um, all right, we'll get to. We got. I'll start with a couple of primo targets. Bit of positives here. Um, I mean, one we've just spoken about really with Collingwood, and that's that's Nick Dacos. Um, I think sort of after grabbing a couple of those mid prices, he'd be the number one sort of like primo target. I think, and it's pretty obvious at the price he's at, what he's doing. Watching him live on the weekend, George, it's just evident what he's going to do. Um, I'm not even really concerned about a bit of mid time because if he's not finding it in there, he's just going to go find it somewhere else, and he's going to force his way to to his next possession. Like, that's just what it seems like. So he uses as must-have as it gets, really, in the primo primo world. Yep. He wants the ball all the time, nonstop. He's the main guy down back. I mean, who is he sharing with down back? I don't even know. John Noble, maybe, is his biggest threat, I guess. Yeah, Noble's been good. I'm not dissing <laughs> him. I'm not dissing him, but, like, yeah. <laughs> they're giving it to Nick over him. Um, yeah, and Maynard's not like um, being used as a exit basically at all. And I mean, like what Pendles and Chris were basically never down there anymore like either. Rotating. So it, it really is just Dacos. And the thing is, it's not just out of half back. Anytime there's link up play through the middle of the ground, because they're always trying to attack the corridor, he's the or one that's already sprinted. Yeah, yeah. He's always the one that's already sprinted 50 meters to get the ball around the back on the wing or through the center. So it, it doesn't matter. Like he's always there. Yeah. Like any slow mark they take, he's the next, he's getting it to start the fast play, start the transition. And he works his ass off to get there. I actually like funnily enough thought that in the first quarter, the tag actually wasn't too bad in the contest or like around the pill, he was restricting him, but then it doesn't matter because as soon as Collingwood win possession or it goes into defense or whatever, you can only follow him so much. He's, he's, you know, obviously a great runner and he's, he's going to get it. So, but 
we don't really need to speak too much more, do we, George? Just uh, just just quickly, like with the tag, right? They both tried to give him more kick-ins, and he took the team high this week. Where I think Darcy Moore had one more last week, and they also moved him into CBAs to exploit uh, like Jones as a one-on-one mid matchup as well. So I think um, like Collingwood have clearly planned for him to get tagged uh, multiple times this year, and they they're willing to move him to whatever position on the ground will exploit that matchup. So is it the one-two out of defence that Jones can't follow or is it moving him into the midfield where it creates a mismatch? Like, it does, like yeah, I think they're going to continue to do this throughout the year when, when he does get tagged. And even even then, he still runs off the guys. Like, his endurance and speed is great. Like, they, the taggers aren't built to keep up with him. No, it's only Finn. The only one that can get him probably and get him to, what, an 80? And that's like round 20. I, I, w- <laughs> I would say Ed Kerno um, is the other one that uh, both like has tagging and maybe the running capability to go with him. But it, like, even then I'm not sure. No. All right. Move on. Um, LDU's the next big one. And uh, he has been unbelievable and I'm kicking myself that I took him out of my team. Maybe a week to go, obviously after the preseason game, which shows you how stupid you are to take too much out of that. I would have liked a better performance though from him. He didn't really look too interested that day and they got spanked, but um you know, 85% CBA mid pretty much. It's going to be that way, you'd think, all year. Um, he's had a, two amazing games to start the year. Um, it's finally sort of breaking. And we sort of saw it back after last year. That's a lot of – it's a, it's a thing that a lot of people turn to when trying to pick players for the following year is how they sort of finished off the season prior. And, and he did amazingly. And um, it's looked to finally sort of broken out. I think he's 23, so it feels like he's older than that because he's always been talked about as, you know, when's he going to break out, when's he going to break out. He's still only 23, and, and if it looks like now, he's just going to be sort of a premier midfielder for, for quite a while. Um, I don't want to jump too early because um, he still has to prove it for, for, you know, longer than this. But, uh, yeah, at 550K, boys, uh, if you had a few of these other options we've already talked about, your, your Zeebles, your Setterfields and Dacos and whatnot, would you uh, – would he be your, your next highest priority? Yes. Mm. Uh, this is why I'm sad I got Cogs over Certifield last week because I would <laughs> totally be getting LDU this week. I think the biggest knock on him was will he continue to get 80% CBAs, which is what he got last year? And the answer is yes, and he's continuing to play at a high level and it doesn't matter who else they throw in there. Um, they continue to give LDU 80% and he looks like mini Crips out there. So, yeah, I would totally jump on him. It's maybe he falls short and like you definitely don't want too many of the green LDU types in your side that end up not being good. But I mean, he's looking like the real deal at the moment. Looking at the landscape, JD, I don't know. A lot of the others are looking too hot at either. So as a part what about Parrish who I took out of my side in the yeah. preseason? Well, we should have oh, right, now, like he's 60% <sighs> of the time on the ground. But anyway, he's still going to do what he does. Worth noting, uh, matchups have been super soft, and so have LDU. So LDU's played yeah. the Titanic West Coast Eagles and the Titanic West Coast Fremantle, <laughs> like yeah, and Western the, Australia. <laughs> yeah, and Fremantle who are just in all sorts at the moment. Um, is he must have? No, he might cop Finn McGuinness this week. I think he will, but I'm not 100 sure. So Hawthorne is a nice matchup unless Finn Mag goes to him. Um. Plays Carlton next week, week after. Uh, what does he do this year? We did 110 back half last year. He's gone up a level this year, so he's probably looking at... 115. North, North is not good either. Like They've been okay, but they're not they're not top eight. So um, 
115 sounds reasonable and for 550k that sounds like a great get so i think he's a he's a good buy i don't think he's a must-have um yeah so yeah that's where i stand all right we're already at uh, over 40 minutes and we've got about eight concerning primos to talk about here so first one sam doherty uh someone who's in a hell of a lot of teams after sort of bit of preseason hype look you know Pretty good in that that uh, one game they played. I think he's in forty percent of teams now. Look, not total concern. I think I don't think he will do maybe one ten like he did last year. Still could um, for sure, but little concerns I guess over just Gov taking a few more kick ins. I mean, he doesn't have a monopoly on him. I don't think he really ever did, but it looks like way more split now. Uh, and it is only two games, mind you. But you know, Saad took some, Newman took some. Are you worried about? Doc too much as owners, boys. I'll start with you, maybe JD. What what did you see on the what, what, what was it Thursday night, was it? Or no, no, Friday? I'm not I'm not too worried. Like, yeah, through the first couple of games, kick-ins are, are maybe slightly down, especially last week, but they could just be normal variants you get throughout the year. So I wouldn't overreact to that. I, I think honestly, he it was probably one of the worst games I've ever seen him play, just from how fumbly and panicked he looked, which has been very undockety like across his career. I would chalk that up to an off game rather than something to panic about. And I think the Blues fixture gets a lot better from here. Like the next six, five, six games are super soft. I want to say it's like, is it GWS that they start with? Yeah. Uh, and then who have, they, who have you got it in front of you? Adelaide, St Kilda, West Coast. So pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's looking like, you know, five wins despite there being a couple of two and no sides in there that, that come next. So... I wouldn't be trading out Doherty against those sides. It's a very soft fixture. So I would be very surprised if that was many teams' biggest concern or priority, to be honest. I could understand why some people might want to do it to free up money going to day costs, a little bit like a Darcy to um, Cameron move. But no, I, I think that is the type of premium that you hold. Is it just the way to day costs, the only reason you trade him out, George, if he's your worst primo? I think so. I'm not too sure. Just- Sard's doing really well. I think the game's moving towards they're giving it to the runners a bit more. I think Doherty can do that more off the back of the square. Didn't see much of that, but I think that'll return to norm, hopefully, with the softer fix, uh, softer matchups coming up. Uh, still 90% tog, which is pretty good. And I guess we're hoping for a bit more mid-time with, um, until Sam Walsh comes back in. Um, slightly concerned, but not enough to trade. Uh, Jordan Ridley, so one that a few actually started too. I don't have his ownership numbers up, but uh, we sort of, I think he found his way as well in our sort of circles anyway, the preferred sort of 500k option. Just before round one, obviously proved to be uh, way off just with how dominant uh, day cost has been. But how many concerns do you hold, JD? You watched him in the flesh first time in probably a while, was it, uh, on the weekend? Oh. What did you see? It's just so annoying that I liked both Dacos and Redmond more than Ridley and I ended up getting convinced oh, yeah. on Ridley but not Setterfield. Like, Redmond oh, Essendon does my head in. Um, like, Who yeah. convinced you on uh, Ridley? So, oh, let, let's, let's, let's talk about it another time. It wasn't, it wasn't me. Oh, I didn't convince myself. Um, so I think from the weekend, I just like what I saw was Gold Coast forwards pressing up quite high on the Essendon defenders. They weren't allowing the switch that happened uh, across the back half in, in game one. And then we saw Redmond took his fair share of kickouts. And every time he did, 
he did not once look for the short chip kick 25 metres into the pocket, which is where Ridley posts up every time. Instead, he was exiting over to the other wing. So um, Ridley was basically just not used through exit defence. We weren't switching, which would have given him some cheap touches. And then he dropped about three or four contested intercept marks on top of that that he would have normally clunked. So it's a little bit like Doherty, which was, there was some concerning signs, but to me, I'm like happy to talk, chalk up at least this one to an off game and reevaluate next week. But once again, I could understand if you don't have Dacos and you did have Ridley and you wanted to move Ridley onto Dacos, why you would do that if you didn't have anything else. Um, but I'm not like full panic yet, especially given they've got some Kilda coming up this week that have been pretty nice and conceding scores to intercept defenders, including Ridley in the preseason who went something like 120 on them or whatever it may be. All right, so I was yep. at the game watching this. First half, Ridley was free. Second half, Redmond was free in terms of being the spare. Also, BZT went down in the fourth quarter, which didn't help Ridley and might not help him for if BZT is out this week, I think. Who, who comes in for BZT? Uh, so we've been kind of um, discussing this uh, as Essendon fans because we've been trying um, Baldwin as a defender this year, but he's only had like one or two VFL games in that spot. So he's probably still too green to come in. And then St Kilda's got that shorter forward line. So they might actually be able to get away with running Ridley as the second tall. So you'd have um, like uh, Laverde um, uh, take Cordy and then Ridley take Kammer. I mean, Cam is only what one ninety six, only one ninety six, and Ridley's like one ninety two. So, um, I don't like. I don't think that's a necessarily a terrible matchup. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna make him play lockdown and more lockdown this week, it's probably not the worst matchup for him. Uh, but yeah, I think re- like Zerk Thatcher's may play. Otherwise, it's probably only a week. I guess because so in- Massimo came in, they can just bring someone else in from a different position. Yeah, so Massimo and Hind weren't in round one, so it kind of helped. Like I threw McGrath in my fancy team at the last minute when I saw no Massimo or Hind, which is probably the wrong call. But I actually really like Andy McGrath. He's playing really well. And in preseason, what I heard, well, there was an article hyping up Ridley, like back to his best, returning to his role from his prime, um, whenever that was, like what, two years ago now? Prime. Um, yeah, well, yeah, that really good year. I think he went 98 average or whatever. So they're going to free him up a bit more, back to his best, all this stuff. I heard that you guys were going to be switching it a lot more um, down back. I didn't really see that much, uh, maybe a little bit, but I thought you guys were playing a lot quicker. You guys were giving it to Redmond, giving it to Massimo, giving it to McGrath, and they were going for 20, 30-minute runs and kicking it long. <laughs> That's not good for Ridley because Ridley doesn't do that. He sits back and takes intercepts and, you know, hopefully what he should, what I expected him to be doing was like, you know, being that loose defender or third toll, reading the play and chopping off marks. So again, he, like things didn't really go his way and he still dropped, you know, I could have counted probably five that he could have taken. Again, some of them were like difficult, but if he takes two of them, we're looking at a probably like an 85 where things went against him. So I'm holding for this week. Um, do I have buyer's remorse starting him in round one? Yes. Um, but I guess the 600K boys aren't really setting the world on fire at the moment anyway, apart from Sinclair. Um, and the rest will probably drop just a little bit, dock a bit more. But um, I think I think yeah, having I, I three, just... three premium defenders was like the right structure or like at least starting two. So I think like having him there was like the right structure, it just needed to be Dacos rather than Ridley. 
do you agree that you guys are not switching on enough or playing slow like I th- like that was it earmarked? Well, so 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 for that game, yes, I think the first game we were, but this is where it comes down to. Like I saw the Gold Coast forwards pressing up high and not letting Essendon play loose, but that meant it opened up the field, and there are times where we we're able to. Um, like either chip into the corridor or into the wing, in, like basically behind the forwards because they'd pressed up. Basically by pressing up, they'd opened up uh, space behind them for Essendon to get easier kicks into. And so I I don't think Saints will play that way. From what I've seen from the Saints, they were very happy for defenders to sit loose and uh, chip kick around. And they were setting up the ground from um, like basically kind of like centre line or a little bit forward back to that point. So they were happy for that chip to uh, kick to kick, which is what we saw Frio do. Um, and there was a little bit from the dogs as well. It's not really their game style. So I actually have a feeling that uh, what Gold Coast did didn't work. St Kilda will play their style and this week should be better in terms of the ability to switch kick and, and uh, get some of that cheaper stuff. Okay. So maybe need another week to assess, I guess, or even two, because he's not going to drop that much in price. No, it's a good matchup. So yeah. Hold him, see how he goes, see if the role improves um, and the game style hopefully changes. All right, we'll go to the midfield. The number one, I think, concerning guy, I think it's pretty obvious, is Jack McRae, who I started, JD started. I wasn't super confident uh, with any of the 600K guys, really, and there's a couple more we'll speak about after, but he's sort of the most pressing issue and maybe the highest owned, so we'll talk about him first. Uh, first half was okay. Had um, a bit of, you know, majority mid-time. I think he was on about 50. And then start the third quarter. Um, we're sitting there, Jaws, and Jack McRae is in the goal square. What's going on here? Uh, ball bounces up and he's running around. And eight minutes goes past and he's still there. You know, three or four goals have been kicked. He hasn't rotated yet. What the hell is going on? Then he comes to the bench. Sam Darcy comes on. So he's gone to his bench, gone to the bench for, for a rest, which is very surprising. You'd think it'd be the other way around, sort of a mid going to the forward line. And, you know, um, the guy who's been playing forward, not doing a hell of a lot, especially in, for the dogs that day, uh, would go in the mids. But no, spent another eight minutes on the bench and then played the last few minutes in the midfield when he came on. And it was all Caleb Daniel, really. 60% CBAs, you know, McRae, I think 40% was it. And, you know, Preco tweeted 33% time forward which is just stupid and i got to get out i got to get out and i'm you know a bit disappointed but there's just no real scope there we can't trust bevo eject 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 we've been away bevo, for a while, but we can't bevo is a dunce i can only trust english and bot on that team everyone else is a fade until bevo is gone he is the new leon cameron this is the last time i want to talk about bevo and the dogs this year honestly it is so heartbreaking and uh, it is very frustrating. So, yeah, I want out of McRae, maybe irrationally so. Uh, but, yeah, I have a feeling that Bevo is going to continue to throw the magnets until he lands on something that works. Uh, and, yeah, I just can't trust. So I'm gone. I'm so gone. Yeah, get out. Yeah, I think uh, McRae was the hardest player for me to read, but I, I did not see 40% CBAs coming with Trelaw and Dunkley out. I thought he looked okay. Maybe they want like a bit more pace in there or something. Daniel in the midfield. I saw in the preseason. I'm like, what are they doing? And like they got they got hammered. Like him in the midfield is not the answer. So yeah, I guess you get out of board. I think people have said it, but losing dunks is going to look like 
a lot bigger miss than or loss than uh, it got credit for at the time. Like they didn't oh, really hedge their bets bringing in Trelaw. Like why would you bring in another older I player and get rid of a twenty-five year old, twenty-six year old? Right. Now they've got this he, old list and they're like this. They're in a bad spot if they can't get going. He managed to stuff up all of their lines in one preseason. He stuffed up their midfield. Uh, including their wings, he stuffed up their forwards and he stuffed up their defense in one off season. Uh, how do you do that? It's just spectacularly bad. If he didn't have a premiership flag, which of course he does, uh, he would be sacked by like any other club. But yeah, that's just nuts. Get get out. I think Ed Richards in the forward line was the the laughing point. <laughs> if it wasn't McRae in the squad, oh, dude, no, it, Daniel Daniel in the midfield. McRae forward, Richards forward. What are you doing? Like, what? Yeah. What is that? Uh, it th- this for Carlton and Melbourne. This was tanking when coaches did this stuff. Like, why do you put up with it for Bevo? It's just nuts. It's so bad. Coaches actively trying to be bad do the moves that Bevo thinks is going to win games. All right, I'm, yeah, I'm done talking about it. It just. I'm, I'm, I'm so out. I don't want to think about McRae and CBA rotations another minute this year. It is a mental health pick to get out of him. I'm done. Yep. And it hurts because he's such a good player to own for many a year in all formats, really. Um, and that's gone. The other one that won't get spoken about is Lewis Young, too, who's doing a super good job for Carlton as well. And they let him go. But we'll move on from the dogs. I uh, don't know what's going on there. A couple that are less owned, Andy Brayshaw, bizarre start to the year. Never really wanted to own him in Supercoach as an owner in previous years. Um, he's a fantasy guy, and, and that's sort of been proven. That round one ratio was crazy and um, wasn't great again on the weekend. So, um, yeah, good matchup this week, but got to be tempting to go to LDU if you, if you did own him and had no other problems. Um, any thoughts there before we go to the next guy? He's a... Does, doesn't help. It doesn't help that the rest of Freo is playing so bad. It just makes it even harder for him to do well in Supercoach. So yeah, I'm. Uh, every year he gets cheap, which is why we don't start him. And if he gets cheap enough, I'm sure I'll look at him again this year. But yeah, it's a it's a no for now. If you have him, you're probably just stuck with him, to be honest. But I mean, maybe you're downgrading to Setterfield. Once again, you really need money, but he's probably not a priority to move on, even though he's definitely underperformed. He has a really nice run coming up. Yeah. West Coast, he doesn't score well against usually, but they tagged him a fair few times. Um, the Crows and then Gold, Gold Coast. Coast. Dogs are easy these days. Yeah, it's not too bad. So it's not too bad. Probably hold, if he's your avenue to, you know, you're shifting things around to get Dacos and Zebo and whatnot, I think that's fine. I wouldn't have a problem yeah. with that. But I think he should be a 110, really. I think what doesn't help is Frio were good last year for the most part. Um, they're in all sorts at the moment. They uh, just very weird game style and their midfield, like the Brody CBAs are dropping. They've like they don't have they need Brody in there because they don't they're not a strong contested ball winning team without him in the midfield. So uh, I, I honestly don't know what's going on there. So I think he's in a board if you can if you don't have Dacos, um, but I think you can hold though. Yep. Uh, another one, Lockie Neal. I mean, we never really, you know, thought of him as a starting pick at his price, at his age. Dunkley coming in. Really weird one. Like, I've watched the footy. And, I mean, round one, obviously, it was a disaster for all of them. And I didn't really 
think he was too bad on you know Thursday night. Uh, was it Friday anyway against Melbourne? But I didn't manage to, or just managed to turn. Didn't realize he didn't have a tackle either, uh, which is a bit strange. Um, but again, I think if he's maybe your avenue to day cost, free up a lot of money. He could get a set if he would get a zebra. I wouldn't be totally against it. Feels weird trading Lockie Neal out in, in round three, but just a similar vein with McRae and Brayshaw. When these players at this age get closer to 30, and you can always put McRae's 28 and a half in this bracket, and they start not performing, there's always a question mark, you know, are they regressing due to age? And that could be the case with Neil. Not only that, Ashcroft and um, Dunkley are going to take a lot of points in that midfield. Cash him in. Get him later, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, he's too much money tied up, in, tied up into him. I, I just don't know what you're expecting if you started, Neil, because it's all about opportunity. It's all about CBAs and midfield time. And you had Ashcroft and Dunkley coming in that you both knew would get midfield time. And Dunkley is a massive point suck. Like, it, it has to come from somewhere else. And, I mean, McCluggage has suffered even worse than Neil has. And I think to Enna's point, Neil isn't playing bad. It's just about the others that you have in there as well taking points too. So, yeah, I'd, I'm happy to jump off him. And once yeah. again, he's someone that I might opportunistically look to pick up if he gets cheap enough. But, yeah, it's, it wasn't a starting pick. Yep. Uh, and then an injury to steal, which is a bit disappointing if you if you start him, of course. Uh, I copped that last year, not as early, but it's a good time to happen, I guess, if you're looking for a positive in round three, of course, because you can, yeah, cash him in and... and uh, disperse his money elsewhere without having lost any of it. So I think it's four to six weeks, they say. So, yeah, obviously a trade and, and yeah, get a set of you, get a Zeebel. Um, if you've got a couple try of those... Try to get a keeper, though. Like, try yeah. to get a keeper and mid-prices, not split to mid-prices. No, no. If, if, if you're getting those two other ways in, yeah, maybe. I mean, down to LDU might be helpful anyway. Yeah. So something like that. Um. And then I might as well mention, we're getting to the rucks here, but I might as well just mention the injury here as well, which is obviously Max Gorn, which again, apparently four to six weeks on the injury report. Um, so yeah, obviously a trade as well. Super unfortunate. Grundy's not a play though. Have you? No, no, we'll, we'll go there. But have you guys ever copped a zero? Like an actual zero? And... Yes, Cornelio, many years ago. Yeah. Like an actual zero. That would... oh, I can't, I can't remember one. I don't Pretty sure Cogs well. had a zero. Obviously if not, it was like a less than three. Yeah, a couple, couple of negatives. But, but that, you have to be extremely unfortunate. But yeah, so unfortunate. Um, basically had one with Shrek. Yeah. Well, speaking of, that's who we're getting to here last is the last concerning Primo. Uh, George won't be too happy about this. Um, Look, Shrek is a roller coaster. I've always said that. Didn't think the low was this low. The, the roller coasters sort of just shot straight through the bottom of the... <laughs> the wooden part and just fell off really last week. I mean, we didn't watch it, so what the other game? Watch, watch exactly. I've tried to watch some things back. Uh, were you watching it, JD? Flicking between the two. Um, uh, I, just, I only uh, saw it a little. The first CBA. Sorry, oh. I watched. Put up K, and I'm going. Okay, yeah. Let's see what happened here. And Luke Jackson's jumping up for the first center bounce, and I'm going, "What the hell's going on? You surely want your big ruckman, the guy who's your perennial ruckman, like." Jackson still developing as a player. Up against, you know, Goldie coming in, trying to prove his spot too. You know, didn't play in round one. And you have Jackson in there first. It was bizarre to me. Um, 
and it flipped in the second half. You know, he tended, it kind of was like 70, uh, maybe 50 50 first half and then back to 70 30 in the second half. But why they started like that, I don't get at all. I, I mean, like, this is going to be a historically bad game from Shrek. Even if they keep these splits, he shouldn't be this bad for the rest of the year. But uh, this is, I guess, like JL's kind of response to Freo being bad is trying some different stuff. Yeah. And I was uh, my favorite saying, get me out now. Now, <laughs> get me out of Shrek. Yeah, I'm not going to deflect and say that you guys convinced me to pick Shrek. I saw him like obviously I, I love Jared Wits. Like Wits came with less bullshit, and this is Shrek came with a bit of bullshit because of Jackson. The acquisition didn't make a whole lot of sense anyway. Like they sold a lot just to get a like what's his clear position with Shrek in the team? I don't know. Don't have one. He has like athletic traits, but like it didn't really make sense to tie that much money up into a non-number one forward or non-number one ruck. So like they're tr- still trying to figure things out with Jackson. Jackson is like in the bottom tier of hitouts to advantage as well. So if who do you want rucking right now? You want Darcy rucking at the moment, and like the West, like the newspapers are slamming Jackson at the moment and all this stuff. And JL is under under the pump. Um. I don't know what the split's going to be week to week. I can't. I think we kind of knew that, but we also thought, well, Shrek is way better, way, way, way better, and he looked like a full preseason as well. Like he should be doing better, but yeah, I don't know. Like we didn't see the game, but we saw the the ruck split, and um, even like he was, he didn't even score that well in preseason, considering how well we dominated. I think he had like a one thirty, but I feel like it should have been more. Uh, like had like massive like stuff the stat sheet something bad. Um, I'm out on Shrek. I know this is the wrong week to do it because he plays BJ Williams, who Combin nearly tunned on, um, and Flynn did really well on. I just don't want to. I don't want to stress week to week about fielding him and not knowing what the ruck split is going to be. And you know he has these floor games as well, so it's time to cash him in for me. Um, he's not a top two ruck. Uh, that's Wits and English Marshall and. Maybe Gorn, like one of those guys. It's probably English and Marshall still. Uh, I'm out. Yeah. No, I can't begrudge anyone going that way. I think I've got bigger problems to fix this week. Hopefully it gives me something decent next week. See what it looks like. Like surely it has to revert back to what it was. You can't be doing what they did last week from the start. And obviously BJ Williams, just very easy matchup. But some part of me thinks that maybe JL will give Jackson another go because it is such an easy matchup that you might just... And Fife is out too. <laughs> that was a so big one. Laid out. A... What, what do you think? I'll put, we'll put Big Shrek in the goal square and he can, you know, provide a target. Uh, Look, I mean, if Tabana looks terrible. And misses played, what, five games? Like... I don't want any of their plays. I don't want to see that Freya yeah. symbol really in my team. That's where I'm at. So it's Brennan Cox. <laughs> Look, Ryan. Oh man, what's going on with that team? All right, we'll move on. I'm holding for what it's worth this week, but he can easily be out of my team next week, and it would be to DC. Hopefully, for not you know any more than 20k at worst. Maybe it's still a downgrade somehow. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but big, big concerns. All right, we'll finish off with some rookies. Um, Connor McKenna, he's pretty much, I would say, the biggest must-have on this list. You know, Kay Chandler, maybe lower break, even lower price, could be could be argued for him. But McKenna, obviously, locked into the 22. He's been one of their better performers uh, over the first two weeks. Um, 
So if you don't have him by now, I, mean, I would have advised getting him last week if you didn't. So um, this week, definitely. You have uh, to have McKenna. You've got to have him, and he's a really good field option. You put him on field. At least yep. Chandler, you don't have to field. You can no. if you want, but I prefer him bench. Yeah. Um, McKenna's yeah, on the field. You have to have him. Jody already has. We already got him. George, you're bypassing him for other reasons. Uh, well, this is, Are you concerned yeah. about this? Yes, this is a massive cock up getting Finn over Chandler last week. I guess Finn, you didn't really see an injury coming, but it happens. Um, I am fading him because I prioritize Zeeble, who's going to make 50 to 60K. Um, Setterfield's going to make 50 to 60K. And then, well, Trek's break even is 180, and DC's average uh, break even was it 20? Something like that. Something like that. Have a look. Yeah. But- yeah, 24, I think. So do I get Chandler for 170K next week, roughly? Uh, probably not. It's a very frustrating miss. The cope I have in my head is maybe Bytel gets a gig or Samson Ryan plays again. Who's they're not? I mean, Ryan's not going to make as much money as Chandler, but Bytel can if he gets a run. So I'll look at that, getting rid of Chester to one of those guys next week. We'll see what my options are. Don't get me wrong. Chan, no Chandler is a disaster because when you guys are getting Clayton Oliver in round five or round six, Chandler's probably the one you downgrade because if, if he keeps scoring 70s, I guess you want to hold for a bit longer, but he's going to make quick money with that 100 this week in his cycle. I'm not getting him and it's a disaster, but I prioritize the others at the moment. We watched some footage, JD. Looks the goods, doesn't he, in his role? Gets quite up the ground. Yeah. He does. I mean, I like Chandler a lot. I think the risk is that he plays the Swans this week and Swans have been very hot, so Melbourne could get beaten. It might be hard for him to score. Uh, but then after that, it's like West Coast, Essendon, Richmond, North, Gold Coast, Hawks, the next six. So I think there's a pretty good path to making money once he gets past the Swans game, assuming he holds when Cozzy's back, which is the big talking point. Will he, won't he hold? From what I've seen in the first two games, he's definitely good enough to hold. I would be surprised if he's the one that makes way for Cozzy. I reckon it's probably a half forward or a mid instead. Uh, but I guess we'll see what happens. If you're avoiding him, you've basically got to hope that they get smashed and he's the one that gets dropped. If he if he goes crap and scores 30 this week and with that fixture opening up and maybe only have to pay like 155 or something for him, because he only scored like a 40-something in the preseason game, I think. Um I'm, I've got 70k sitting there. I might look to get him in. I think he can kickstart his cash gen with that with that fixture. So that he's someone I'll look at next week. But I think um, whatever I miss out on, I'm losing lots of money. So this is the one I've chosen, and it's not affecting my field. So I'll look at it maybe next week. And look, if he goes 100 this week, well, shit, <laughs> big trouble for cash gen. <laughs> but um, it is what it is. But yeah, I think I, I know our favorite word. This well, my favorite word. This podcast has been must have. He's you need to have him if you like optimal team is Chandler at F7 or F8. So, yep. yeah, yeah, um, really good. And, and obviously with the Gorn news we've already spoken about, but Salem as well had meniscus surgery. He's out to the bye. Obviously not players in his position, but it just opens up another spot in a team that's already pretty strong. They'll be able to just bring other players in. They've got some versatile players like Harms and, and Brayshaw and guys like that um, who can play yeah. and fill a hole, right? So yeah. I think he's fine. In, in my opinion. McVie has not been good either. Who's in that side? No, who he should be ahead uh, of. But again, been, yeah. It's a different position, obviously, but you hope they can restructure something else. So 
Someone else well, is down there playing. He's in the VFL, yeah. so maybe they drop V for Hibbert instead of Chandler, right? So that I think should. Uh, speaking of a couple of D's fans, I think he's more than safe. Um, so we'll move on. Uh, Asava. Asava. Look, I only picked him because of the cover he gave. I never expected any big scores, and we've seen that, right? A 50 and a, and a 30. Uh, he'll never touch my field, but he may be someone to quickly catch. I mean, I'll forever hate Dimmitt for not playing Samson round one because he would have been at my R3 for sure. But, uh, yeah, that's just the way it's gone and um, might be something I cash in next week. Uh, but I still think you can hold him long term. I think there's a big score. When I say big, maybe, you know, a 70 or 80 in there at some point to kickstart a bit of cash gen when it all sort of falls his way. But, yeah, not a high possession guy. Just sort of has to take a few big clunks intercepts in a given game. Um, it's just slow, slow money, and there's already money tied up to him. So I think you can like hold until there's a great opportunity to get rid of him whenever. If he scores like 30, 40, and you have nothing else to do next week, you're flicking him straight to Samson. Provided yeah, Samson goes the right as well. Yeah. Yeah, Samson has a bit more upside. He can take a few contested marks, kick some goals. Yeah. It's more like the, it's more you just take the money, take the money now. Yeah. But the, uh, Probably both average, what, in the 50s? Maybe lucky if a sub even gets there. <laughs> yeah. uh, Ollie Hollands, a couple of Ollie Hollands owners here, uh, I believe. Looks looks a player, looks really good, lively. May not be the best scorer for this format, but um, I feel like there's a decent game in there for him as well at some point, maybe in these easier fixtures we were spoken about before for Carlton. So, um, yeah, look, you'd have to have <laughs> you'd have to have a lot of the must-haves we've already spoken mm-hmm. about on this podcast to be trading him in this week. But if you had him, I'd be, uh, yeah, I'd be pretty happy with that. Trade yeah, him. I'm very happy to have him after being a bit shaky week one. He looked good week one, but the scoring didn't come. Week two, the scoring did come in the second half. He is absolutely a goer, and he's playing in that Carlton midfield that just goes gangbusters for points, and that's, um, I think, flowing out to the wings a little bit as well. As we kind of mentioned with Doherty, they've got an easy four or five games coming up. And I think an outside player like Hollands is going to be one of the ones that benefit, especially if the Blues get on top some of these sides. Uh, So, yeah, I'm very happy to have him. But I think you're right. Out of the must-haves we've talked about, he's something like seven or eight on the list, I think, when I've looked at everyone um, that isn't obviously owned already. So I just find very... like. I'd be very surprised if there were many teams bringing him in this week. I don't know if you've got those numbers in front of you, what his trading um, percent looks like. But if you jumped on him, you'd be very happy. Yeah. Yeah, you'd have to have all those guys. Um, I mean, his break-even's minus 35, so it's okay. It's decent for some of his price. Um, 1,400 teams, like 0.8% is bringing him in this week. I think he's only about 27% owned, so it's not like super pod rookie or anything like that, especially given Chandler's less than 10% at the moment. Um, but yeah, I think it's a pretty nice one to have as your M9. Yep. Any more, George, or happy to no, have him? I think Carlton fans love him. He just works so hard and you, they respect that. So yeah, I think junior numbers, 24 touches a game in the VFL. So he can definitely find the ball and there's a role there for him. No reason for them to not persist with him. I think it'd be pretty demoralizing if they did anything to him or his role. Um, yeah. yeah, I think he'll get make 150k. We just sit on the bench. He might be my cover for Hol- for Hopper if he doesn't get up this week. I think yeah, yeah. if you have Baker and Hollands, you can loop those two on the bench with uh, Hopper. 
Yep, I would do that. Uh, I mean, it's worth um, pointing out as well that uh, Giants gave up like 98 and 96 to Hunt and Ryan, who were playing kind of more of that wing role. Um, like Gaff and Cripps both went in the 80s as well. So these outside players that weren't named Campbell Chesser um, scored really well on GWS last week. So, yeah, pretty. I think he's a, a very good cover option for Hopper this week. Yep. Cam McKenzie, a little bit disappointing. Uh, not in you know, his sense of way he played. Did as much as he could with only 25% CBA. So there was a big uh, shift this week. I mean, it coincides with Connor Nash, who was the sub last week. Uh, with Wingard out, he was just, you know, stayed in the team and he sort of has to play midfield. I mean, he can play other roles, but that's where Sammy Mitchell decided to play him for most of this week. Uh, and thus, Cam McKenzie suffered a little bit. I mean, what did he end up with? A 60 or something. So did really all he could, you know, in a big, big loss, playing a more forward role. Um, can't, can't hate him for that. So, uh, look. See what the, the the team sheets are. If it's sort of the same as what it was last week, and you had a you know getting in center field and had a few midfielders, and you could maybe bench him. I would consider it maybe, but um, yeah, I think I'll field him. Hoping that it comes back and hopefully see Nash out of the team. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess most people own him, so you don't really have to speak about bringing him in or anything. If you, whatever reason, didn't have him, would you still bring him in? I mean, I. Still think I would, but again, I don't know how you would with all the other bigger must have. The other priorities. Yeah, so I think if you didn't have him, you would have got him last week. So I doubt there's anyone out there without him. The bigger discussion is what I sort of said, probably with benching him, I guess. Yeah, so um, here we go. If 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 Hopper plays George, um, are you going to field Hollands or McKenzie? So Collins uh, has GWS and McKenzie North. has North. Yep. No, I'll go McKenzie. You yeah. thinking Collins? Oh, I really liked what I saw out of him last week. Although McKenzie's very good. Bit un- I'm a bit unsure. I probably just back in McKenzie again, but I, yeah, I like Collins. Yeah. I, I, in a way, almost hope Hopper's out because, uh, like, what, 45% of the coaches own Hopper. And then Hollands is going to be better bench cover than a lot of what other people have. So, yeah. 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 Uh, Chesser, well, after watching him week one, he left my side pretty quickly for Chandler last week. So, happy with that. And I think you probably do that the same this week if he's you go to Chandler. But others might want to downgrade, uh, you know, from a Bruin or something. So, look, if you have to hold on to Chesser for the time being, do so. And then when another rookie option pops up for, for a straight swap. Because he won't make much money, <laughs> then you do that. So, yeah. Hopefully, he when drops, you can, so he doesn't make sense. Money. <laughs> What's his break even actually? I haven't looked. Uh, I don't 20 something, league. which is what it, less than what he scored. <laughs> oh, I know he's got 27. Or oh, we might get $500. <laughs> uh, amazing. Uh, all right. Stocker, we've got here as well, who, again, why is this so far down the list of. of priority ins this week you couldn't imagine anyone in the position to bring him in but if you start him has been okay what 270s i want to say i mean there's other guys too like like um, buckley as well who was a lady in who's had sort of an eight a 70 and a 90 or something so look if you're somehow in a position to bring them in you could consider it but i just don't think anyone would be so if you own them well done and uh onwards and upwards really anything else to say on stocker no, he's a good starting pick, but probably not worth trading in. Yeah. There's too many other priorities this week. 
Yeah, I'm kind of interested to see what happens if St Kilda start losing games uh, and whether that translates to pretty good scoring for Stocker or if it actually hurts him. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not in a position to trade him in and even if I was, I probably wouldn't consider it because I'm more interested in seeing how Bowes looks again and then getting to him, if anything, rather than trading in a Stocker or a Jones type. Yeah, it's quite interesting, actually. He almost tunned in fantasy, so... Um... Didn't use it terribly well. Six tackles, so hey, could be a decent score out for uh, for him at some point and make a bit of cash. So uh, if you got him, then then well done. All right, couple here. Samson Ryan, we've sort of already spoken about, but uh, yeah, might just be an Asaba downgrade next week, depending how Samson goes. And Asaba, of course, but uh, yeah, I don't think Samson's fully locked in to just play every week. He may. You know, be dropped sometimes or for balance, but Soldo's out long term, so it's really only competing with Ben Miller now. Um, who, yeah, got dropped. Right, he already kicked three week. goals, which is probably three more than Miller will kick through his first six games this year. So I think he might have yeah. a, a, a decent spot for a few weeks. He'd have to play really bad, I think, to come back out. Yeah, I think he's, think he's safe for now. And then Bytel is a bit of a weirder one, but supposedly still in non contact training at this stage. So. Maybe a downgrade option we look at later, but steals out only for four to six. Windhager probably comes in. It's hard to find a spot for him once they're all healthy, unfortunately. Too. And Sebros obviously made his way in this week. So it's unfortunate because, you know, he'd be a good scorer if he'd never given the role, but there's just a bit too many guys, I think, in front of him. Unfortunately. All right. Covered off a lot there, boys. Um, I'm sure teams will obviously tell a bit more. Uh, on the weekend or on Thursday, but um, yeah, why don't we finish off with some captains? Uh, I mean, I'm under undecided here because I'm having him decide who I'm bringing in. But look, if you don't have a Clary or a Laird, it really is, uh, you know, once you hopefully make the right decision on Bont and Dunkley, um, hard to find someone who you'd whack the C on if they failed. So I think it's a big decision, um, what, Thursday night and who you're going to VC because you want to want to get it right. So I think, who are you, George? You're Bont JD's dunks at this stage. <laughs> Am I right? Yep. You you earmarked this a month ago, George. Many months ago. Game. In the trade <laughs> week. <Revenge. laughs> when the um, <laughs> pictures came out. Uh, yeah. Both have been leaking from mids, to be honest. I mean, Brisbane made Tanapron oh. like a star. It was an excellent bait. Um, oh, but like, like right, game one, game one, Brisbane leaked against Port because it got absolutely dominated. Game two, they actually held their own. Dogs have leaked really badly both weeks. And Dunks is coming back to face his own old squad at his old home ground. Very familiar. This is a revenge game written all over it. And with how bad Bevo's coaching has been and the promise of more magnets to go, Dunks should absolutely tear them up. I like I'm all in on revenge game narrative as much as a bond is like a every week VC for me. I, I just feel like it's Dunkley's week. Uh, but then, yeah, I've got no captain options, so I'm probably looking <laughs> at day cost C if Dunkley doesn't get up. That's Look, we know Bond. And, and, and no way he's playing worse than Dunkley this game. There's no chance. Zero. <laughs> I, that doesn't matter. Bond's always been better than Dunkley, but Dunkley gets the points on the board when he gets a midfield time. It's not about who's the better player. Dunks is just built for super coach in a, in a way that uh, Bond isn't. Bond's built for champion data. They'll give him the plus 10. But um, Dunks gets the points on the board. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, just uh, I think the other thing is I'm going to set my threshold quite low this week. Like if I get a 115, I'm taking it. Normally I wouldn't take anything less than 125. Once got a couple of good options. But yeah, downside of um, uh, no no Laird and no Oliver is that I really don't like many of the other captain options this week. If I had LDU against the Hawks, I'd consider that, but be worried a little bit about the fin tag. If I had Parrish against Saints, um, I'd look at that as an option as well. Uh, but really, there's not, I mean, maybe Brayshaw against West Coast, but Con, how are you trusting in that? Darcy against West Coast, maybe, how are you trusting in that? But yeah, no, I think um, I think it's uh, Dunkley to take off to me. Respect to any of my believers who somehow find a way to slap the C on Shrek in the last <laughs> game of the round. You'd have to have the biggest cojones I'd ever see, because <laughs> my God, it could be a big one though, but I think you just take the score right uh, without having to put that uh, captaincy near him. Uh, Rowan, anyone consider? I don't know how he goes historically against. I mean, we don't really have much data as a solo ruck, uh, really. But um, like fifty-five last year won't really count because he's probably playing second ruck. But uh, twenty twenty one nineteen, twenty nineteen one fourteen when he was solo ruck, I believe. So he's there as a sort of fallback, maybe. Um, didn't didn't Rosie go like one sixty nine against Crom to finish out the year last year? Like, didn't he finish on an ma- absolutely massive game? Uh, I yeah. believe he did that too. Yeah, one sixty. So that's a chance too, sneakily. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, these are all VC been... options. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, a lot of the these game. guys, like Dacos, yeah, Taranto, even, um, like. Rosie, I'd be happy to VC a lot of these guys, but having them as captain options is a little bit scary. Yep. That Thursday decision becomes really, uh, really important. So uh, let us down, know down below who you're VCing. And then, yeah, this is where George with Laird comes in nicely because he's just going to rack up 130 against Port, probably. No problem. Um, and and again. Yeah, doesn't do, doesn't do much, does it? Didn't do much. I think he kicked <laughs> a goal last time. So probably, maybe, hopefully, like a 120. Yeah. Uh, what are you taking this week, even with Laird's back up uh, on Thursday night? I'm taking 115. I, I don't want to stuff around. Stuff around. A yeah. little bit, um, way too conservative, but, you know, Bond, 77% CBAs last week. Hell no, am I not putting the VC and taking that? <laughs> so I'm not even worried about C. Yeah, no, fair enough. Oh, if you had wits against um, the Cats, would you look at him as a captain option? I think you could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah. I think I he, could. he I mean, went no, no, one. No. He went one sixteen on them last year. It's not exactly a like thrilling score. I can't see him going terribly. So yeah, he'll have a good week. He should still be ninety to one ten range, and obviously upside for more. But yeah, yeah. I think we're thresholds a bit lower this week on Thursday. We'll just lock in something nice. Um, I mean, Dacos does tempt me a little bit against the against the Tigers. We ain't going to touch him. Um, and he does what he wants. So maybe like a low ton, you know, flat hundred or something. I'd go day cost as a C because I can't see him going much worse than that. So anyway, one to think about. All right. Been a long one. Thanks for listening. We're probably going to do a couple of live streams. I don't know when JD's back, what tee up you got this week, end of the week. Um, mate, you back before the weekend? Oh, no, I'm, 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 yeah, no, I'm back. I'm back. Uh, tomorrow night so i'll probably put out a fantasy team video on thursday but um i I will probably um uh right at least i've been a bit of debt to the missus uh when i get home and the kids so i'm not sure how much live streaming he'll be able to do before the week's out but we'll uh best endeavors and all that 
Yep. Uh, George, what do you got planned, mate? The weather report with Shaq. (laughs) (laughs) Stay tuned for that tomorrow. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe live. I'll tell you what. Big J is going to be filing an injunction against you. You cannot be stealing his guests like that. Yeah, is he under the center bounce bracket, mate? You're gonna to have to you're gonna to have to get get oh, him uh, uh, super coach creators. All right, George, yeah. um, are you putting NR or I on the trade table? What's uh what what have you and Big J been organizing? Oh, the way I'm going, I'm put myself on the trade table. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Room for four. <laughs> oh, all right. We confident boys, we can turn this around. We got are you Locked on to trades or how? how I mean, what decisions do you have to make? Oh, yeah. we should we should probably just quickly say what we're going to do, right? I think it's the one thing we haven't At done. At this point, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I am McRae out, I am Shrek out, and I am uh, Chesser out, and I'm bringing in Zebel, Setterfield, and English. Yep. And then I, I think like I'm pretty happy with my team. Like I don't have Oliver or Led as we kind of discussed, but I will have all of Setterfield, Hopper, Warple. Dacos, Zebel, Chandler, so like all the like kind of six must-haves uh, plus Hollands. Like I've got, I've got those seven, so I'm pretty happy from from that point. It's just LDU I don't have. Yep. Yeah. Dacos and Chandler uh, last week was a big big plus for you, uh, George. Yeah. So I'm missing Chandler. I just can't believe I stuffed that trade up last week, but is what it is. So I'm getting rid of Finn. Just because like dodgy shoulder and priority on the other guys. So Finn out for Setterfield, uh, Darcy down to Darcy Cameron, and then someone else in for Zebel. I don't remember who. I'm just going to pull it up. Uh, Bruin, sorry. Bruin out for Zebel. Yep. He, am... He's been traded out of your team for so long since lockout, you already forgot about him. <laughs> it feels like... like yeah, feel, you I mentally traded him out Thursday night last week. Yeah. Mentally, he was gone. Yeah, yeah, for like a week now. Oh, mate. Yeah, even like round one, kind of after that first game, really. Uh, yeah, so he's gone for me, of course. McRae, the third trade is still up in the air. So Dacos and Zebul are two that are coming in for those two. I've got some options. I initially had Doherty to LDU. That's very luxury. Shrek to English, another one um, that I could do. But I've actually stumbled upon something I don't even know why I didn't think of, but I can do Doherty to Clayton Oliver with $700 left in the bank. Uh, getting him in now kind of tickles my fancy now that I found it. I just saw that I could do that before we started the pod and, and I was talking to George and with the run that he does have coming up, a bit of concerns over captaincy options as well, especially this week, uh, like, West Coast next week, I guess, and then Richmond North, Gold Coast, Hawthorne. Like we already knew this, but it's coming around quicker than, than you think. And getting that guy in um, might prove pretty tough uh, anytime soon. So I don't know how you guys think about that, but Doherty trading out obviously is a little sideways, but getting Clary in just feels a hell of a lot better. Doherty's going to drop money. Um so I'll say in mm, essence, sorry, it's sort of like Doc to Dacos and then McRae to Clary, really. And then just I getting Zebul yeah. and Bruin. I think the, Oliver will give you a fullback captain option as well, which would be nice. Um, I guess at this point, you're probably looking more for value. Yep. Not getting set of field is, is a big, uh, if you're like, big red flag. Yeah. 
I guess you could. Uh, I don't. I have layers, so I can't really get Oliver. But no, you, um, all you're really doing is you're going, is you're getting the extra captain option in, I guess, and you already got a heavy defense. So yeah, I think it's all right. Probably the better play is to find the value. I think, but I still think Oliver's like as safe as you can get, and he looks every bit of the M1. I'll I'll just say quickly on Oliver, his break even's one forty nine. He hasn't gone over like one thirty or something in the last three against the Swans, and then he hasn't tunned in the last three against West Coast. So I'm hoping there's a couple of poor scores and then kind of get him around the six fifty, six thirty, somewhere around that price range. I've got a hundred K in the bank. So yeah, <laughs> depending on how the next couple of weeks go, he's looking like my first upgrade target for sure. It's very yeah. helpful, right? I was talking to we were talking George. <laughs> His DT is crazy. He could be going a lot bigger than he has been. Oh, he, the 62 DE on the weekend. Lucky. Eight clangers. He's, oh, he's been playing more outside. Yeah. But it feels less contested than it has been in previous years. I guess early rounds maybe depict that a bit, but um, I don't know. What My other option is just go Doherty down to Setterfield and, and uh, float quite a bit of cash if if value is more important, but then obviously I'm down a primo for a week. I just don't know what the best option is. So my team's in a bit of a different spot to others. Uh, and obviously all this is while holding Shrek, right? And seeing what happens there. So yeah, a bit different for me this week. I'm not set on anything, so we'll see. All right. Thanks for watching. Thanks for tuning in. We'll uh, be some more content throughout the week. And um, yeah, hopefully you land on some good trades. Hopefully your team's going all right. Uh, some big calls to be made. Uh, yeah, Setterfield, Zahibul Chandler, Dacos, who do you go? If you don't have many of them, who do you forego? Chandler. Uh, big decision, yeah. But, uh, Unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, thanks for watching. We'll see you on the next one. Cheers.